I remember the first time I had to wear a mask, I felt so weird. Mm-hmm. I felt like so wrong for doing it. And now it's like, if I got, I've taken my mask off inside of a couple businesses in the past week or two, and I've felt super weird about that. So that's like, an <laughs> isn't ode. that weird? Huh? Yeah. It's a note to like how you, you as a person, adapt to what you need yeah. to do in that moment to a survive, be safe or mm-hmm. live comfortably and safely in your life. Welcome to the weekly warrior podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. All right, well, I'd like to get into our first segment here. It's um, brought to you by somebody. It's brought to you by uh, a Smeagol, that fucking asshole from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Smeagol, always supporting us, may have been the near downfall of the quest. Hmm. This segment is called, What Have You Got in Your Front Pockets? So, Corey, <laughs> what have you got in your front pockets? What has it got in its pockets is precious. <laughs> you want to i'm gonna tell you the truth well what do you think i have in my pocket do i think you it's not it's not fair <laughs> I think i'm gonna you tell you the truth a, a penny i got nothing in my pockets dude you got nothing in your pockets? I got nothing in my pockets Damn. that's that's cold i have empty pockets currently what's the point of your pockets then well, um, I have everything out on this desk that I'm currently standing at right now. Okay. So n- normally when I'm home, I don't have a pocket full of stuff. Cause like mm. if you were to ask me if I'm going to work, what I have in my pockets, I got a lot of stuff in my pockets. I bet that's an interesting <laughs> conversation. Yeah, I have. And it always can be different, but I oh. always have the same couple of things when I go to work for my everyday carry at work. Give me one of them. Um, a notebook and a pen. Okay, that's awesome. Gotta have I, that. I also have nothing in my pockets. <laughs> so today's segment comes up nothing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> literally, neither one of us have anything in our pockets. <laughs> Thank you, Smeagol. I'd like to move on to our next segment. It's called Good Fucking News. It's fucking good news in a cold, cold world. Yeah, we need that. You want to hear some good fucking news? Good fucking news. It's fucking good news. Yeah, hit me with some good Great. ass news. 35 circus elephants arrive in amazing Florida sanctuary to retire among forest, grassland, and 11 watering holes. 35 Asian pachyderms, formerly under the care of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, are being mm. welcomed to a 2,500-acre Florida reserve where they can wander among their favorite habitats, wetlands, grasslands or forest and splash about in 11 different cute watering holes that sounds amazing what a what an awesome thing yeah this four mile square four square mile refuge is the best scenario for these elephants because they have been raised in captivity Mm. and are not equipped in the world yeah so after a period of uh, spent socializing to catch them up on herd and family dynamics the first group of elephants was transported in pairs for the 200-mile journey from the Ringling Center of for Elephant Conversation 
conservation, not conversation, in Polk County, Florida. <laughs> I was going to say elephant conversation, huh? Yes, though they're like very smart there. animals. They're very smart animals. <laughs> they keep, they probably keep cool stuff in their pockets. Um, <laughs> they got their first peek at the sanctuary on May 3rd and will join, be joined by another 20 elephants in the near future. And, yeah, so that's pretty, pretty great. And for the elephants, waking up each morning in retirement is a dream that we can all get behind. And I think that's just a wonderful celebration of elephants coming from not a great situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say it adapting to a a new situation. It's really happy too, because circus animals are, it's pretty widely known how poorly treated circus animals are. Yeah, So that's really happy. And it, it's a really good contrast. I read a really shitty news article about elephants this week so that makes me happy to hear that good and just so you know this is the largest congregation of elephants in the western hemisphere now right in florida yeah that's pretty amazing i love it it's it's amazing elephants are pretty remarkable animals if Mm -hmm. you ever look at an elephant you ever look at an elephant and be like, what the their fuck eyes is going are, on Their there? eyes are different. Their eyes, yeah. like, there's more going on in there. Yeah, you could tell there's a brain in there. And you also look at it and you're like, if you, it's like one of those, like looking at a panda. And like, what the mm. fuck is going on there, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's something weird about you. I you, like ever it. See, you ever see, it, it, there's a documentary on National Geographic. It's on Disney Plus about whales. It's the same idea. They do a lot of like they talk about whale culture and all that type of stuff and how smart whales actually are. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a shame how much whales get like harpooned and whatnot. And yeah. because these these things, they're they're amazing. They're so smart and they are they have huge communities that are like very unique, kind of like our cultures are. So mm-hmm. like we're all human, right? But our culture here in Michigan, even compared to the culture in Missouri is totally different or, you know, around the world, obviously, like if we went to from, you know, somewhere in the United States to India or China, it would be completely different. But whales are the same way. Each community has its own unique identity and culture. So it's very interesting. Elephants, elephants are the same. It's just they're fascinating animals. They really are. And they're huge and they look weird. And I like them. <laughs> you know, there's no other thing yeah. on planet Earth looks like an elephant. Like you got cats, you know. Cheetahs and house cats and stuff and like lions. Oh, I see what you're saying. There's you know what I mean? There's there's nothing like an elephant. elephant, Yeah. Yeah. What about like an anteater? An anteater is kind of like an elephant, Mm, but got me there. Yeah. Totally different, I guess. They have a little trunky thing. That's the only similarity. Little snoot. You got me there. Yep. All right. Great segue into our main topic of the day, which is adaptability. Yeah, adaptability. So this was one of our superpowers uh, way back in the day, episode. Number two. Episode two. Episode two. We had five superpowers. And over the course of whenever the fuck we feel like it, we're going to dive into each of these five superpowers more. And today is the first one, which is adaptability. Mm-hmm. I think adaptability is, is one of the most important superpowers that we have. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. And I'd like to share a quote, if that's okay, because we like historical quotes. I like right? history. Yeah. So Charles Darwin once said, it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is the most adaptable to change. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at humanity, especially, we are so adaptable. It's in our 
DNA. It's in our build as humans, as human beings, as animals, because that's at the end of the day, we, we tend to forget that's what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the most adaptable creature on the planet, ranging from, you know, 40,000 years ago when Unga Bunga cavemen were Neanderthals walking around to, <laughs> to today when, you know, we're sort of starting to come out of COVID-19 pandemic, sort of. Um, and it's, you know, all of the things, I mean, obviously there's so much history there that we've had to adapt to and we've done it. I mean, we, we've spanned across the globe. We live nearly everywhere. And, um, unless you catch a human swimming in the ocean, you know, we're generally the top of the food chain Yeah, in most cases. Yeah. As a species, as a herd, we're incredibly adaptable to like anything. I mean, we got people living on the coast of Atlantic Ocean. We have people living in the North Pole, like Inuits. There's people yes. living in Africa in the middle of the right. desert. And, and so no matter where you are, you have you can make that place your home. Um, I think I think becoming adaptable, the act of the person becoming adaptable is right is tougher. But as a species, like you through the generations, you're always going to be able to adapt to nearly anything. I, I think 21st century humans have it easier than we ever have as a species. Um, because yes, there are challenges that we still face, but the, the, the difficulty, I guess, of the challenges that we face are no, not really anywhere near what our ancestors have faced. And I'm just going to add a little bit to what you were saying, like humans, we've survived and we've thrived for so many centuries. We're really masters of adaptation. Um, we adapt when we move to a new place. Well, so like, you know, this very well, I know this very well when you move across the country, across the world, a lot of people do that when we are in a new job or no job at all. So talking about like homeless folks and other people who, you know, have Mm -hmm. moving from like my case, a social work career to a park ranger job, totally different, but we adapt. Um, and then like when there's natural, disasters, um, climate change occurs, uh, or climate just in general, like there's a thunderstorm that approaches. We, we all kind of have adapted and we know kind of what to do when those things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're surrounded by like unpredictable, like nowadays political and social and living conditions that, I mean, the list goes on of the things that we can adapt to. So we've been highly capable of surviving, you know, a multitude of environments and situations. And as that, like I said, in the 21st century, our, our, our challenges look different, but we are still so able to adapt and overcome those. So, yeah, totally. I, I, I look back when you mentioned history and me moving out West, I think driving out here, you see like a landscape change and you're like, how the fuck did these people do this on a wagon? (laughs) I was you know, dude, I like always with think no about road. That. Yeah. And it's like how hard that must have been. Like, the amount of like not just like physical toll, but like mental and emotional toll. And like right. for several generations, probably until real settlements and influx mm-hmm. of goods and services came to the West, like those early settlers must have just been incredibly challenged, but they they adapted to it. But besides history where we're at today with the past year has 
been a great ode to our adaptability. Mm-hmm. And even it opens up the eyes to, to people that don't want to adapt mm-hmm. um, and don't want change. Yeah. And, and, you know, life is going to change no matter what, just in the past 20 years with technology. Right. And how schooling has changed and how schooling will is now going to be changed forever because of COVID and because of this technology and not only just schooling, but the workplace and how workplace and schooling is going to affect future generations of workers working from home and what that's going to look like. Like everything is changing and how are we going to better adapt to that change in the workplace or school, but personally mm-hmm. too, um, like with the masks, like that was a huge change at first. And I remember the first time I had to wear a mask, I felt so weird. Mm-hmm. I felt like so wrong for doing it. And now it's like, if I got, I've taken my mask off inside of a couple businesses in the past week or two, and I've felt super weird about that. So that's like, an <laughs> isn't ode. that weird? Huh? Yeah. It's an ode to like how you, you as a person adapt to what you need yeah. to do in that moment to a survive, be safe or mm-hmm. live comfortably and safely in your life. And in yeah, today's think, world, that's what it is. It's just living comfortably and safely in your life. Yeah. I think I have a couple thoughts. And the first thought is with the mask thing, it's interesting because there's been so many social experiments done. Human beings in general, we want to belong. We are social creatures. And back when, you know, our survival relied upon being a part of a group, if you weren't a part of a group and you were an outcast, nine times, I mean, the majority of the time, this outcast is not going to live. They're going to die, whether mm-hmm. it's from, you know, weather or predators or whatever. Um, there's safety in numbers when it comes to humans. There's safety around the campfire. Right. And so in our modern society, we're not necessarily threatened by creatures and we're not threatened by as much of the weather stuff. But people still have this massive drive to belong to a group, to anything. They want to belong. It's just part of our nature. And it's different now because there's, you know, there's a group for everything. Everyone wants to be a part of it. Social acceptance is a big thing. But it's interesting in 2021, the people who are more of the outliers tend to be more of like, like, think about, and this is only relevant because I've been watching this show, but Michael Jordan, he was an outlier. He was like hyper competitive, incredibly talented. He worked harder than everybody else. And he was kind of an asshole because mm-hmm. if you weren't on his level, if you didn't like get to his level, then he would ostracize you and he'd get like, you'd be out of the group. You know what I mean? So like, it's just, again, it's, we still, but he was an outlier. He could have been fine. He would have been perfectly fine if, you know, I'm on my own, but I'm the best. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so it's changed a little bit because now our survival doesn't necessarily re- require us to be a part of a group. It's just the social desire. It's the mm-hmm. desire to be accepted. Um, that's thought number one. Thought number two, I think it's interesting because COVID-19 has... Our generation, so like I'm thinking the, the the kids born from, let's call it 1990 through 2000, mm-hmm. this is the first significant challenge, I think, on a, on a wide scale that we've experienced. Um, as far as, I mean, there's been no world wars. There's been no major wars. And whether you want to call like the war in the Middle East, you know, 
I don't think I would compare that to Vietnam. I wouldn't compare it to Korea. Definitely not to World War II, not to World War I, anything like that. Those haven't really impacted our daily lives like, you know, all of those other wars have. Mm -hmm. And so our generation, we haven't had this type of challenge to face. And so it's been, I think, a big learning experience for all of us because how are we going to respond to a threat, whether it's a threat from a virus or a threat, it doesn't matter. It's a threat. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was really telling how the majority of the country responded. There was a lot of people who got on board with all of the safety precautions and all of the, this, and, you know, wearing a mask all the time and vaccinations and all that type of stuff. And then there was, there was other people who were like, but my rights, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been interesting to watch, that unfold, which it's, and then also on top of all of this, we were all quarantined and we were Mm -hmm. isolated and we didn't have that social, like sense of social belonging. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was like a perfect storm for bad things to happen, which some bad things did happen. Like we look at last summer and the race riots, Mm -hmm. not good, not good times, bad, very bad. (laughs) Um, And again, History is going to be the judge. We don't know, you know, in 30 years, I hope that we can look back on this and say all of that was worth it because look where we are now. But it's impossible to tell if that's going to be the case. Mm -hmm. Um, All the political bullshit that happened and people people have adapted to it. But the thing about it is like life goes on, whether or not this virus is as bad as everyone thinks or whatever, all the politics, all the, the race stuff, like all of this history will be the judge and it'll determine who adapted and who couldn't, you know what I mean? Just like you said, the world changes, life changes. So those are my two main thoughts on it. Yeah. And that's why adaptability is a superpower because we have the ability to change and adapt and, and, you know, for the better. Yeah. So I think the masking thing, like, right. That's like, it's been so polarizing <laughs> oh my god in some yeah. parts of, in some parts of the country and it's become such a big political debate. lines yeah yeah it's at this point it's been over a year um yep. but you know what i say most people did it and most people that the ones that didn't want to do it still had to do it so mm-hmm. the results are there um but yeah adaptability is a superpower for a good reason because we need to be able to change yeah we need to be able to so how do you adapt? How can you better adapt to changes, whether it be in your personal life or from a broad spectrum, such as like a societal issue? Um, mm. I think like we talked about moving jobs or moving across the country or, um, you know, losing something or someone um, like, how do you adapt to that? reality? Because we get, we get in such like a comfort zone almost right mm-hmm. with, with life sometimes like, you know, you get things, you come into your life and it becomes comfortable and you, and you live your life and it's good. But then all of a sudden something changes. Mm-hmm. And I know from my life, looking back, it was when I was working at worthy, I was in like my ultimate comfort zone. I stepped out mm-hmm. of my comfort zone to begin working at CrossFit worthy, mm-hmm. but um, eventually it became a comfort zone. And it wasn't until something changed that like my life got like upended and it was something so seemingly so simple. I'm like, it didn't matter to the world, but 
first my kitty cat died my dog died like a week later and mm. like completely upended my life like totally flipped a switch in my head that like mm-hmm. bad bad shit happens and because up to then i was like this is all good like besides i'm not really making a lot of money like i'm really happy um so that forced me to adapt and change like it was not more than a couple months later that I like quit my job and then left, left the area mm-hmm. finally after like eight years. So that was yeah. like the first example. And like coming to California too was another th- great homage to personal ad- adaptation for me was starting a new job, first real responsibility. But then we did 75 hard, um, which offered like an incredible stimulus into change and adaptation mm-hmm. and you either that's adapted, all that is yeah. yeah you either adapted to that or you didn't um and mm-hmm. i didn't adapt to that at all i i like got to a point where i with among everything new job new place new friends new pressures living with someone for the first time um it was like it was way too much and i just couldn't adapt mm-hmm. to it so i i backed out but mm-hmm. um that's all that was is it's stimulus like overload stimulus of change 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 mm-hmm. and like you either go through a no even if you don't make it for the 75 days you still go through a a transformation of some yeah. kind i think um, it's interesting when you talk about the stimulus like that because when working with like traumatized kids and you you oftentimes see they haven't had a chance to feel safe. Right. So Mm -hmm. like you're talking about all this stimulus, imagine being a kid that has a shitty family or no family. And then on top of drugs and then on top of, you know, bad friends and then on top of struggling at school and then on top of someone's abusing you, like all that stimulus, where do you go? You go into a survival mode. There's Mm -hmm. no chance for you to increase your potential to adapt to something in a positive way it's like you just, you just, it's either fight or flight. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, that's what it comes down to too. Like when you finally are hitting that wall. Yeah. I felt that too, not to compare myself to any of that, but I felt that like waking up in the morning was like immediately, like you feel yeah. threatened. You feel oh, threatened. For sure. Yeah. Yep. And I think our 75 heart experiences were different in so many ways, mostly because like at that time, like I wasn't working. I was laid off for the season. So I had three months where I wasn't working. So what did we do? We did 75 hard. And so my job was all of the tasks that came with 75 hard. So that was a lot easier to adapt to. Yeah. I also had like major motivation because once, once I passed M Coles, which we've talked about in other episodes, like I, my, my motivation to continue on with the, ridiculous thing that 75 hard is not saying it's bad, but it is ridiculous. Um, my motivation to continue that just t- dissipated. I think I made it like six days after I passed M Coles. Yeah. Um, cause you got what you needed. Cause I got, I, I served a purpose. It absolutely yeah. served a purpose for me. And that's, and I knew that going into it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, then that's a win. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, for sure. But that's the thing, like looking at adaptation, we, we were able to adapt in different ways to that. And mm-hmm. in your case, not as much because you had all these other stimuli. You just moved to a new place. I remember when I moved to Colorado, I, I, I put myself in your shoes and I get it because when I moved, 
it was hard and it was not fun. And the first like six months to a year were miserable, like mm-hmm. straight up miserable. My job sucked. I had a hard time making friends. I felt really isolated. I was in a bad relationship, like all of those things. And if I had to do, if I, I can't even imagine trying to do 75 hard mm-hmm. in, that, in that situation because yeah. I was struggling to adapt as it was. Yeah. The problem is we can adapt in a positive way or a negative way. So like my adaptation for a while was, okay, these people that I want to belong with, what do they do? They go out to the bar, they drink till 2 a.m. They go to work hungover, they do all this stuff. And so that's what my life became. It didn't become, I'm going to be healthier and go to the gym and, yeah. and eat right and, all, and sleep well. It was, we're going to work like, you know, 12 to 16 hours every single day. We're going to go to the bar. We're going to get shit faced. And then I'm going to do it all again. And I'm going to do that for like a long time, <laughs> a long time. As long as you so can that hang was a, on. That was an adaptation though. That yeah. was a way for me to fit in and like, be there and be okay and be even though I wasn't okay. Yeah. I at least had like some sort of belonging. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, like that's what we're adapting to is survival. And in that yeah. in that time, that's what survival was. Um totally. Looking back on it now. So coming back to the whole point, looking back on it now, your 75 heart experience makes a lot more sense because you have all of these other things that you're worrying about and all of these other things that are going on. And then it's like, Hey, and do this. Hey, and do this. Hey, and do this. Hey, and do this. And there's a yeah. huge amount of pressure with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and you want to go out and make friends and it was hard to do anything social when, <laughs> when you're doing 75 hard. Yeah. Fucking but, tired um, all the time. Right. Well, yeah. And you can't drink and, and it was can't. COVID. There's no gym. You could like do a workout. at. It was like, yeah, very lonely. Very yeah, I think that's the biggest piece of COVID, like when we were during when lockdown was a thing and just in general, is it isolated people? And I think yeah. that we saw a huge mental health crisis because people who maybe were OK because of their social interaction, like we look at rugby, like rugby, something we're both really familiar with guys who maybe rugby was all they had. Um the teammates, the, the, the funk, the group functions, the practices, all that type of stuff. Ryder agrees with me. It's so, see, I, it's a thing. Um, when that got taken away, it's like, okay, then what do we do? What do we do now? Because that's, that's what we've all known and lived and all that stuff. So, yeah. um, that's where like COVID brought out, I think it brought out the worst in people, for mm-hmm. a long time. And I think it's also brought out the best in some people. It was an oppor- it was such an amazing time for opportunity because people didn't want to seize opportunity. They yeah. wanted to, you know, get more money from the government if they were unemployed or like all this, all, you know, yeah, all there's, the there's stimulus money. Like that. Yeah. But the I mean, opportunity it, was there. Like you want to put the work in and like move towards your goals. COVID time was like the best time to do it. Cause most people weren't doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, and the, it's a great point that some people adapt in so many different ways. Yeah. We'll take that COVID like lockdown and be like, all right, what a great time to like work out <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, you know, do what kind of what you did and like get really fit and pass their test or, you know, adapt in a different way and just become really isolated or adapt in a fighting way where they're fighting against yeah. the new mandates. Right. Or, you know, opportunity like, all right, this is like a new way to care about people. It doesn't look like hugs or anything like that right now. 
it looks mm-hmm. like me fucking off by myself for a bit. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, man, that's yeah. The people adapt in, in so many different ways, positive or negative. Yeah. yeah. I th- it's, uh, it's just, and people blame their circumstances a lot for their lack of forward momentum or like, you know, f- I, I was a good example of this. I'm 330 pounds and it's everyone else's fault that I'm at that point and all of this stuff. And that was the adaptation that I allowed myself to, to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and people still, I mean, complain, well, it's too hard. I don't want to track my food. It's too hard. I don't want to do this or whatever. But in reality, they just don't want it bad enough. So that's when we talk about like adaptation, like if you are unwilling to get off your ass and work for the stuff that you want, then you're, you're adapting to the Wally lifestyle. You're going to be one of those people sitting in the fat chairs, driving around the spaceship. You know what I mean? Their bones are goo. Their bones are, yeah, their bones are goo. And like, I, I know that's a, like a sort of a dramatic comparison, but I get so tired of people saying, well, it's too hard or it's, it's too much. It's too much work. I hear that a lot, especially with like, uh, food tracking people that struggle with food tracking because they don't have, they don't have awareness around any of it they can't wrap their heads around measuring food and tracking it for like a month they just can't because it's too much work and i'm like well you're obviously not fed up enough with where you're at to do it then yeah you know there's what I not mean? there's not enough of a stimulus for them to want to there's yeah, not enough stress right. right there's no like hey you have cancer yeah. You know, <laughs> that will change yeah. someone. Because part or of it is life and like, our time. I just don't feel good. Like, well, that's not right. enough. Yeah. Life in our time is too easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if anyone, myself included, if I had to go and like actually hunt to survive and like whatever, what would happen? Because mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I always thought I was a pretty fit individual until I figured out like, maybe, maybe I'm not, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm not. And standing on top of a mountain in Colorado trying to put my snowboard boots on and I couldn't do it because I was too fat to bend over. Mm-hmm. That was my stimulus. And I had a like panic attack on top of Monarch Mountain. I was like, fuck, yeah. this is this is what I've done to myself. Yeah. And I've I've let myself get to this point. And from then on, I mean, that was almost three years ago now. And um even like going through M Coles and training with you and all this stuff, I realized like how I thought I was fit, but really that's just the story that I'm telling myself because I want to feel good about it. And I can look at it and be like, Holy shit. Like I look at myself six months ago and say, no, not even close. I look Mm -hmm. at, I look at, you know what I mean? And like, now it's like, okay, then what am I actually capable of? If I can get to this point and feeling like maybe I'm not quite where I need to be, like, what am I actually capable of? Yeah. And I think everybody can do that. The problem is, is people don't. It's hard to thrust yourself into that. You had a pretty it's hard to, yeah. realization. You know, yeah. it's usually like some said, sort of You have to have the stimulus thrown yeah. at you. <laughs> I had stimulus too, like someone telling you something. Um, it's, I think it's pretty like rare to have that intrinsic stimulus that actually motivates you enough to mm-hmm. want to change that significantly. Um, but that's the beauty about adaptability is we can, we can all do it. We are all yeah. capable of this because yeah. we're all human beings. We all have big brain. We all have <laughs> like, big brain work hard. 
Yeah, right. Like we all have the capability of doing yeah. so much more than we are currently doing. Like if you're not happy with the way you look, the way you perform or the way you, that you're able to socialize, like you guess what? There's so many resources out there for you to change it. You just have to want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go into, uh, but like I want to share like pretty um, specific ways to that you can better adapt to change. So mm-hmm. I found this pretty interesting book. Um, it's called The Practical Neuroscience of Buddha's Brain. It's by this guy, Rick Hansen. And I've heard of this book before, haven't read through it, but there's some keynotes that I want to point out because he he talks a lot about adaptation mm-hmm. throughout that book. And so how to better adapt to change. Um, so like we talked about, usually this this adaptation to change comes from some sort of stress or stimulus, and that really affects your body. Um, and we don't really realize it. So it's like the fight or flight, right? It's parasympathetic mm-hmm. versus... Uh, sympathetic where is that rest and digest and sympathetic is like you're you're stressed out so the first way to better adapt to a change is to calm your body he says calm your body as quickly as possible so um, you can minimize the damage that some sort of event has on your nervous system and limit the impact it has on your emotions and your mental status Mm -hmm. um, just by doing some meditation so telling your body body to calm down is is what he says, like fundamental when facing yeah. a big change that yeah. might be causing some sort of suffering and people that are fighting like the mask, for example, that were fighting against masks and saying it was so stupid. They're not actually angry. They're like, they're in a way suffering because they don't want this change. They don't want their lives to be uprooted so significantly. Yeah. Um, and my 75 hard experience was my body like told me to shut down. Like I started having pretty significant muscle spasms and I didn't know what the fuck they were. Mm-hmm. And my mind was like making, telling myself stories that I was like really sick. And that was my body's way of saying, dude, stop. Oh yeah. So like calming your body as quickly as possible, getting into that parasympathetic state, um, it's going to help you kind of give you perspective and adapt to, to this new change. Cause your body mm-hmm. and your brain and your body are like totally connected. And mm-hmm. if rather you're getting mental stress, your body can feel it. And that's, that's if you're not you need to be aware of that. <laughs> Cause I can be pretty Yeah. That's um, where all that stuff comes at. Like you need to be able to use self-talk. You need to be able to yeah. discover coping skills that work for you. Like totally. we, we talk about coping skills in the treatment world as it's like a buzzword. It's like, well, you just got to find some more coping skills. And like as human, we in everyday life, you know how easy it is to find a coping skill that works. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. What what are some of you? What do you think you, some of your coping skills are? When you personally, when you feel that, yeah, when you feel that type of way, what are yeah. some coping skills that you have? I so I've been meditating, um, not every morning, but every pretty much every work morning, mm-hmm. um, I meditate. So four or five times a morning. That's probably my top coping for? skill. Five to ten minutes. Okay. Yeah. I. Yep. Or also a- also fitness coping for sure. Right. Moving your body, doing all that type of stuff. I would agree. So for me, it's working out, journaling, although I haven't mm-hmm. been journaling as much as I should with like with everything with the house going on. We mm-hmm. have focused on ourselves much lately. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, rugby, any type of like physical exercise, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And um, one thing I can develop bad coping skills too, right? Like drinking. Mm-hmm coping skill for a while when I was miserable, drink a shit ton of beer, 
whatever. And it makes it easier to deal with. And in that moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we, there's so many different things. You can play music, you can work out, you can every, like literally everything is at your fingertips on the, on the internet too. reading, yeah. drawing, coloring. It doesn't matter. Like everyone building Lego, you know what I mean? That's a huge thing that I do now to chill out when I feel really yeah. like tense. And that's a proven fact. Building Lego is totally like a therapeutic thing. They've done studies on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's legit. Um, it's a real thing. It, it, it's a form of meditation. I think that's what it goes back to is meditating. Yeah. No matter who you are, we all have a nervous system and it's all going to mm-hmm. react to that. So mm-hmm. that's the first one is meditation. And whether it be actual meditation, sitting down, breathing, Zen, or like self in a state with like Legos or working out. Um, so the second one, um, he says, find support with loved ones. So um, he says, a lot of studies have shown the emotion of love can can moderate physical pain. Um, and it turns out just like holding of someone when going through a painful experience significantly reduces that perceived pain of the experience. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely, like you said, going back to like the social acceptance, we're definitely not meant to do things. Out. We need us that love us and support systems um Mm -hmm. and developing like gratitude practices help reduce the impact of stressful events so having that perspective like okay what's going right or what what am i grateful for today so i even did that too when i was like really freaking out about 75 hard i would start meditating but i started like waking up like what am i actually grateful for and it was like simple Mm -hmm. stuff like we've always done like my dogs my toes my whatever you know anything my the, the fact that there's air to breathe and food to eat. And yeah, like I do have good friends and loved ones that really care about me. Uh, support with your loved ones, mm-hmm. um, friends or family. Um, and then this last one is kind of goes to self-talk, but in my mind goes to self-talk. But he says, he says, get a bird's eye view and find the good. Um, so that is like what's going right. But like taking yourself getting a perspective outside of your own personal situation. So really kind of getting out of your own mind about it and looking Mm -hmm. at it, like, like looking at it from your perspective. So when I was going through a lot of shit, honestly, one of the things I did was I looked at it from your perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, well, this isn't that bad. Like I can, I can get through this. It's all, my mind is telling me stories because it wants to keep safe. But if, if Corey was going through this, what would I tell him? Mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know? So that's how you kind of step back, get a bird's eye view yep, and, and really tell, take yourself out of like a lot of the emotion in that situation. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about like, almost like, like it's in the moment, like a panic type of thing, mm-hmm. but this is like long-term as well. So getting a bird's eye view of like, what's actually going on in the world. Like there's no one coming down, knocking down my door mm-hmm. or telling me to wear a mask or I'm going to jail type of thing. Right. There's, they're not like, they're not out to get me. Like be real about this. If they're wearing a mask, like masks have been used for in medical procedures for decades, mm-hmm. if not longer, because it's safer, it's sterile, it's cleaner. You're not spreading germs. Like this mm-hmm. is basic, like get a bird's eye view of this thing. Yeah. This on paper makes sense. This is science in real time. We don't know exactly, but it's the best we have right now. It always helps to pull yourself back and get a bigger perspective because when you're in the shit and you're in the trenches, yeah, you don't see the bigger picture. You don't see, you just see the battle that's right in front of your face. You see right. whatever is right in front of you. But if you can pull yourself out and see what's 
the bigger picture. It helps you a move, you know, in a more tactical way around like that in a way that makes sense for you. And B it just, everything makes more sense to you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? When you can just, okay, I need to detach a little bit, detach out of this situation. What is my coworker who disagrees with me actually trying to say, instead of like him just disagreeing with me and I'm upset because um, my feelers are hurt because he didn't like what I did or said, what is he actually saying? What is he yeah. actually trying to communicate and how can I implement that into either my next conversation with him or how I might go about doing my job that I'm trying mm-hmm. to achieve? Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. So those are the three things, meditation, cling onto your support system and uh, take yourself out of your personal situation or the situation yeah. going on in the world and get, just try to be real about it. Bird's eye view, detach eye a little view. bit. Yep. So that's adaptability. Everybody has the ability to adapt. Hopefully you adapt in a good way. You should adapt in a good way because there's all the, and you have the power within you to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're, if you're listening to this and you are struggling with something and you don't know what to do, I mean, I know that Connor and Bones are both pretty smart coaches and I, I have a lot of perspective on things. Feel free to reach out. We might be able to, uh, we might be able to help you. It always, for me, it always helps to get words from another person. Yeah. Sometimes it's good if they don't know me very well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It sometimes it helps if they're detached from the situation. So reach out. Yeah. I think we'll leave it at that. And uh, just to end this episode on a positive note, which it is positive, but you know, mm-hmm. I just want to remind everybody that uh, you can pee pee without poo poo, but you cannot <laughs> poo poo without pee pee. So we'll see you next time. <laughs>